May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. We are wrapping up the last part of the series on neurasthenia. If you have yet to listen to the prior episodes, consider listening to them in order. Why are we doing these episodes on neurasthenia? One is I just love history. Imagining what it would be like to go back in time from the comfort of my modern home and conveniences. Despite over 100 years gone by, the experience of patients with invisible illnesses like fibromyalgia has not changed much. There is so much we can learn and empathize with the plight of many then and now. Hello and welcome to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. Many people have either been told or read that fibromyalgia isn't real or it is all in their heads. This misunderstanding unfortunately causes harm and is a disservice to those suffering. If you are one of the estimated 10 million people in the United States with fibromyalgia, then you know it is real. If you don't have fibromyalgia, you will, at a minimum, gain a deeper understanding of what you or your loved one is experiencing. If you have fibromyalgia, you will feel validated for what you are enduring. The podcast aims to inform, inspire, and equip those with fibromyalgia using an evidence-based holistic approach without selling proprietary blends of herbs, spices, and supplements. It is intended for those with fibromyalgia and their loved ones who have never experienced fibro, but want to learn how to support them better. It is also for healthcare professionals who want valuable insights into these perplexing illnesses. I blend the best of lifestyle medicine and medical management. Remember that while I am a doctor, I am not your doctor. All signs and symptoms should be discussed with your physician. And now on to this week's episode. Into the void and lack of strong evidence-based approaches, doctors treated patients with neurasthenia using the power of persuasion, lifestyle medicine in its rudimentary forms, and medications that didn't offer benefits beyond a placebo. These were sometimes poisonous or caused harm like blistering or were neutral in their physiologic impact. What they did offer was a listening and compassionate ear. There was strong validation by the doctor and the majority of the medical community that neurasthenia was real and that there was a plausible explanation for the suffering that they were going through. It mirrors much of what is offered today in the world of functional medicine and naturopaths. Modern medicine has advanced in so many ways in the last 100 years. 
where patients expect a medical model approach to cure or offer relief for so many previously deadly and painful conditions. To that, there have been impressive discoveries. However, the medical model approach is typically more effective in different ways. There is an urgent need for a biopsychosocial, spiritual model approach for those living with fibromyalgia and other overlapping pain syndromes, also known as invisible illnesses. Traditional or conventional medicine has yet to receive this approach in its training consistently. This approach is much more complex, time-consuming, and often deferred to other people on the healthcare team, if at all, hoping that someone else will take over the care, a passing of the baton in the relay. There is an uncomfortableness in this interaction, like Pontius Pilate passing Jesus to King Herod, and then he passing him back to Pontius Pilate to contemplate with deep dismay what he should do next. In a similar way, the patient is ping-ponged among doctors and other providers, typically receiving piecemeal approaches that give partial improvement at best. Into this chasm, alternative medical providers offer hope. There is a strong listening ear often, and therapies that may align with many of the principles of lifestyle medicine. Most of you are likely aware, if you've listened to other podcast episodes is that I am a diplomat of the Board of Lifestyle Medicine, and many people ask me, what is lifestyle medicine? They may have heard of functional medicine, but may not have heard of lifestyle medicine. Lifestyle medicine is a medical specialty that uses therapeutic lifestyle interventions as a primary modality to treat chronic conditions, including but not limited to cardiovascular diseases, type 2 diabetes, and obesity. Lifestyle medicine certified clinicians are trained to apply evidence-based, whole-person, prescriptive lifestyle change to treat and, when used intensively, often can reverse such conditions. Applying the six pillars of lifestyle medicine, a whole-food, plant-predominant eating pattern, physical activity, restored sleep, stress management, avoidance of risky substances, and positive social connections, also provides effective prevention for these conditions. Similar to how doctors treating patients with neurasthenia, treatments included hygienic measures like a healthy diet, exercise, good sleep, and stress management. However, many who are suffering with fibromyalgia are not given this evidence-based approach. They often are given answers and treatments that are not typically covered by insurance and often costly. Functional medicine is different from lifestyle medicine. Their general philosophy of care does overlap some with lifestyle, but also differs in some important ways. Functional medicine focuses on the physiological and biochemical functions of the body from cells to organs investigating the balance and processes of cellular metabolism, digestive function, detoxification, and control of oxidative stress. It emphasizes testing of various hormones and metabolites in the body 
that are not well proven or generally accepted with evidence-based medicine and thus is controversial. Many of these have theories that are reminiscent of those offered by doctors treating neurasthenia. And to the ear of one not receiving comfort from conventional medicine, it has a sweetness, one of hope. Sadly, it has left many people to spend a large portion of their savings, which is understandable when one is enduring hopeless suffering. In one sense, neurasthenic treating physicians shared much in common with functional medicine and naturopathic doctors of today. What is a better approach, a better answer? It's blending the best of lifestyle medicine using a whole-person approach with the best of medical management. What does that mean? We are more than an organ system. We are more than our intestines, but our intestines and nutrition are vitally important. We are more than the muscles, bones, and tendons, but these are so important. Without these, we could never move and do the activity those with fibro need so much more of than those without fibromyalgia to function optimally. We are more than our heart or lungs, but without these, we could not take in oxygen and release carbon dioxide. We could not deliver oxygen and glucose to our brain and the rest of our body required to power life-giving functions. Within minutes, this can kill us, as in a heart attack. Without the heart, arteries, and veins working in perfect harmony, we cannot remove the toxins that build up and can quickly worsen our health and even cause death. Without the heart, arteries, and veins regulating blood pressure, we could have dramatic shifts in blood pressure, sometimes leading to fainting or lightheadedness. Without the kidneys filtering and regulating properly, removing poisons, and keeping vital biochemicals and nutrients like amino acids, glucose, and proteins in our bodies, we would not be able to thrive and would falter if not quickly remedied. Without our immune system responding to deadly germs effectively and not overreacting to innocuous stimuli, we would be susceptible to fatal infections and morbid chronic urticaria and mast cell activation syndromes. But what about the brain? The struggle with invisible illnesses like fibromyalgia are intimately connected with the central nervous system. And to that, the brain is the most complex thing in the universe. It is an extraordinary multitasking, multi-purpose, biological computer with capabilities that far surpass anything that man would ever be able to produce. It can store between 100 trillion and 280 quintillion bits of information in three pounds of matter. It is protected by bony armor cushioned by fluid and nourished by a complex network of blood vessels. Life cannot begin without a brain and ends in four minutes without it. It is only 3% of the total body weight, but consumes one-sixth of the body's oxygen and one-fifth of the body's calories. There is a tremendous 
fine-tuning of other organ systems to support the functioning of the brain. There are intricate sensors in the nervous system that process input, like low oxygen, thyroid levels, temperature, and low glucose that send a response to maintain appropriate levels for optimal survival. Every bodily action is coordinated by millions of neurons interacting, making trillions of split-second decisions and responding if necessary. Every move is highly orchestrated. Each neuron was thought in the past to be like a digital computer with a simple on-off switch. This was an oversimplification as each synapse alone can carry about 1,000 molecular scale microprocessor units acting in a quantum computing environment. An average healthy brain contains some 200 billion neurons through trillions of connections known as synapses. One researcher said that a brain has more information processing units than all the computers, routers, and internet connections on Earth. New measurements of the brain's memory capacity has been discovered to be 10 times greater than prior estimates to at least a petabyte. Petabyte is a million gigabytes. In regard to the processing energy needed by the brain, a computer functioning with a computational capacity of the human brain would require at least 10 megawatts to operate properly, the average output of a small hydroelectric power plant. The brain only requires 10 watts to function. The complexity of neurons is immense, resembling an octopus. If the central body of the neuron was the size of the tennis ball, the wiry limbs, called dendrites, emanating from it would fill up an average living room with twisting wires and the axon stretching a mile down the street. More than 100 chemicals are known to carry messages. Dopamine is just one of these and strongly impacts many diseases including Parkinson's, restless leg syndrome, ADHD, and fibromyalgia. Delicate shifts in levels can alter functions profoundly. And it is not just the levels of these transmitters at the synapses. It is the quantity, frequency, and speed of delivery that determine the impact. Neurotransmitters are manufactured in the nerve cells and transported through microscopic railways, known as microtubules, operating at high speeds to pass these to vesicles for storage and subsequent release. In addition to chemical messaging, Communication using light has also been observed with neurons. Brain development starts right away, and by the fourth week of gestation, 250,000 nerve cells migrating to their pre-designed positions is occurring. Infants go on to have incredible growth in many brain capacities over the first year, which as a pediatrician is so fun to watch these just unwrap over time and to see parents marvel in the newfound 
goals and newfound developmental milestones that they've reached. Then on top of the more conscious part of the brain, there's a very important part of the brain called the autonomic nervous system. Think of this more as the autopilot. Much of the brain functions are outside of our conscious awareness and will. And thank goodness, because I would not want to be paying attention to every smooth muscle contraction of my intestines, gallbladder, swallowing, sound waves, moving joints, and pain reflexes. I wouldn't want to have to think if I stepped on a nail with my foot, oh, should I put all the weight on the opposite foot and let my injured leg have the quadriceps muscles relax and shift and torque my torso to fall to the side? No, that would be potentially too long of a delay, and we just take that for granted. Interestingly, for many with fibromyalgia and overlapping illnesses, there is a hypervigilant awareness of these stimuli causing tremendous dysfunction. Neurotypical brain treats the vast amount of incoming information as background noise. This background noise can be taken advantage of by pickpocketers. However, someone with a hypervigilant response to touch and suspicion of unfamiliar people may be protected from being pickpocketed, but at the high cost of experiencing pain without being touched or at non-injurious levels. They also may experience gas pains with benign contractions and dilations of the intestines. They may also have hypersensitivity to relatively normal amounts of daylight or sound, but cause a tremendous amount of stress with the alarm alerting them to take action and then the flight, fight, and fright mode goes into play. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I want to briefly interrupt the podcast to inform you about the Fibromyalgia Starter Pack, which is now available. If you are new to this podcast, it categorizes the episodes in a way that is more beneficial for those new to fibromyalgia. You can access the link in the show notes to learn more. As you walk, there is a tremendous amount of coordination. Every muscle, bone, joint, Ligament and tendons timing must be extremely precise to maintain balance. Sadly, this is not appreciated for its complexity until one's balance starts to fade. This complaint is commonly seen in my older patients when there is damage to the nerves in the spinal cord by pressure from bone spurs known as spinal stenosis. There is deadening of the communication to the muscles and sensors of the tendons and joints. Adding to nerve communication problems, muscle atrophy leads to falls and the need for a walker to compensate. Many with autism also have fibromyalgia and have dyspraxia, in which one struggles with coordinated movement that those without may take for granted. My developmental 
biology professor in medical school, taught us how we all start as one-celled human creature and develop using all the information in our DNA alone. This information perfectly turns on and off genes to begin the growth of individual systems and tie them all together. We simultaneously learned how everything works when everything is just right and how one slight deviation in the DNA code can cause severe alterations and even death. I left thinking how amazing, awe-inspiring, and incredible this design process is. We often take it for granted. The second year of medical school focuses on pathology, the study of diseases. One sees how much we should be thankful for our highly designed bodies when they function correctly. When an illness occurs, there is typically a shift out of this perfect balance known as homeostasis. This imbalance can come from errors in coding known as mutations. It also can come from outside the body through social and environmental stress. There is a understanding in genetics that goes beyond the genes, but something called epigenetics. And what we're finding is that the environment can actually modify the expression or lack of expression of certain genes, which can sometimes have negative effects, like increasing the next generation's risk of having diabetes, for example. As a doctor who cares for people and all their organ systems and complex interconnectedness, people come to see me when there are multi-system disruptions. There are many built-in backup systems to compensate, but each individual's buffer varies. The goal is to help restore homeostasis and harmony as best we can, knowing there may be limits due to inherent genetics and challenging social and environmental obstacles. These challenges are exciting to pursue and humbling at the same time. The rewards for helping see people restored are immense, much more than the typical medical model often can give. As the duration of the intensity of suffering for those with invisible illnesses are algorithmically higher than many with quickly identifiable and treatable conditions that the medical model well serves. What did my developmental professor say to end his last lecture to summarize the whole developmental complexity in 1996? He said, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. I wonder what he would say about the tremendous discoveries of complexity in the world of biology and the human body since then. In medicine, the default is to send patients with invisible illnesses to specialists working in one silo of an organ system. Many recognize the role that the biopsychosocial model has on their patients. They need to be trained to incorporate these therapies if they haven't or having extra time to do it, which often isn't practical. Lifestyle medicine recognizes the complex multidirectional interaction of these organ systems and the powerful impact factors outside of the body have on our well-being. The powerful effect of food choices and stress definitely are recognized and play a role in, yet 
we also recognize that there is appropriate need for medications in some people where the environment can't be modified or the genes are shifted in such a way that the imbalances in a lot of these neurotransmitter levels and how they're functioning is impacted, leading to a lot of pain and suffering. So what happened to patients with neurasthenia in the 1920s and beyond as it was fading as a respectable diagnosis and the medical model was rising? Look no further than The Life of Margaret Mitchell, author of Gone with the Wind. A look back on her life showed that she had fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, and ADHD. She was offered tooth extractions and tonsillectomies to provide her relief. She also was offered appendectomies. These were well within the medical model and without antibiotics. If somebody had an infected tooth, it could lead to a lot of problems and even sepsis. So pulling that might help. Unfortunately, it may have helped in some, but it caused unnecessary removal of someone's teeth. There also may have been unnecessary surgical procedures searching for appendicitis when they had no appendicitis at all and were having a irritable bowel attack. She was given back surgery by the leading back surgeon of the time from John Hopkins University, which not only didn't help, but worsened her fibromyalgia. With the failure of the medical model approach to discover tangible understandings and treatments, many were left hopeless and viewed as difficult patients, perhaps hypochondriacs by their physicians. It is easy to understand why many would go to anyone offering validation that they were not a hypochondriac and some hope for relief outside of conventional medicine. I dedicated a 13-part series last summer looking back at Margaret's life that is worth checking out. The hope with my patients and for those listening is to help incorporate an evidence-based holistic approach, starting with education and a deep understanding and not dismissal of patients as hypochondriacs, but as real people deserving of real understanding for their real pain, fatigue, and brain fog. What did you think of the series on neurasthenia? What questions or comments do you have? Do you have any advice or topics that you would like for me to cover on future episodes? I would love to hear from you. Please email me at drmichaellens at gmail.com. Until next week, go Team Fibro! Fibro!